of the second session of the 12th Legislature of the House of Assembly of the Turks and Caicos Islands to be held on Tuesday, Thursday, December 2022 at H.J. Robinson High School Auditorium, North Baxalina, Grand Turk, to order. Honorable members, I now call on the Deputy Speaker and elected member for South Caicos to pray for the Assembly. Pleasant good morning, everyone. Isaiah is one of those prophets that gives a vivid uh, display of prophetic insights into the coming of the Christ child into the world. In Isaiah chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, the prophet writes, 14 rather, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. I like to put a spin on Emmanuel, in man you dwell. Because the Christ child came to dwell in each and every one of us, making it very personal for us to have a relationship with God. And it is this season, at this time, that we remember this very significant uh, event, the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into the world. So let us be mindful of that as we deliberate today, and as we go through the rest of the Yuletide season, knowing that Christ dwells within us. That's a wonderful concept to grasp and to hold on to, particularly when we go through difficulties and trials and tribulations. Christ dwells within us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we can come on this occasion. We thank you that you have called us to this place at this time. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding so that as we deliberate, we will do so under the guidance of your Spirit, recognizing that you have called us for this purpose. We ask, O oh God, that you would empower us. Bless our Premier, bless our Speaker, bless every individual member, the, the clock of the Assembly. Bless everyone today, Lord, as we partake in these sessions. And we say thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Pray be seated. Honorable Premier. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Speaker. Good morning, colleagues. Um, Mr. Speaker, pursuant to Standing Order 131, I move that Standing Order 12 be suspended to allow this Honorable House to sit beyond the 6 p.m. hour. Do I have a second? Honorable Members, motion moved by the Honorable Premier, seconded by the Honorable Minister of Health, that this Honorable House sits beyond the 6 p.m. hour. All in favor say aye. All to the contrary, no. Aye. The ayes have it. Honorable Premier. Mr. Speaker, also I'd like to rearrange the order paper for the day. And so, Mr. Speaker, pursuant to standing order 49, I wish to arrange the business of this Honorable House so that government business can have precedence over all the other business and that um, and that includes uh, question time uh, on the standing order 44 be postponed until to the end of the uh, passage of the three bills that will be debated today. Um, and so, Mr. Speaker, I move also that item number 15, orders of the day, be taken as item number 4. Um, and then question time, as I said earlier on this, 
44 be taken after passage of the bills? Of the, do I have a second? Second. Oh, yes, Mr. Speaker. I'm reminded that also it's important to suspend standing order 50 so that private members' motion come after government business. Do I have a seconder? Second. Honorable members, motion moved by the Honorable Premier, seconded by the Honorable Deputy Premier, that all other business comes after government business and that standing order 50 be suspended and that the private members notice comes after government business. All in favor say aye, all to the contrary, no. Aye. The ayes have it. Honorable Premier, just to be, just to be clear, um, orders of the day, you want that to come before the two minute speeches as well? Yes, yes, um, I mean, I'm assuming being in Christmas time, members would want to use their two minutes to speak to the, the, the country. Okay. And perhaps depending on when we finish, they may, you may want to consider some, de some degree of levity given the time of the season. So you may, if, depending on the time that we have, you may want to give an extra minute or something because people may have a little bit more to say to their constituents. Okay. So the two-minute speeches would go before, before government business? No, after. after. Yeah. Okay, honorable members, we'll now go back to the order paper and we'll go to um, orders of the day. And we'll now have the second reading of bills. And we'll have the Statistics Bill 2022 to be moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, Investment and Trade. Honorable Deputy Premier. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, uh, pursuant to Standing Order 92.2, I move that the bill entitled Statistics Bill 2022 be read a second time. Do I have a seconder? Edit here, who's second? Honorable members, motion moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, Investment and Trade, and seconded by the Honorable Premier, that the bill entitled Statistics Bill 2022 be read for a second time. All in favor say aye, all to the contrary, no. Aye. The ayes have it. Honorable Deputy Premier. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Mr. Speaker. Honorable Premier, Honorable Members of the House, strangers in the gallery, and persons tuning in by um, streaming media and radio, my fellow Turks and Caicos Islanders, good morning, Mr. Speaker. Now, I'd like to, uh, every time I start my speeches, and uh, particularly relating to, to bills, I try to see with the, um, with the Bible if there's any reference to these things in the Bible. So um, today, I'd like to base my uh, bill on Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, where it states, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and, inst and, and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, 
knowledge, and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Um, the Honorable uh, Representative for South Caicos, by based this bill on the wrong text, I said uh, you can feel free to correct me. But um, in addition to those wise words, Mr. Speaker, Megligera and McDonald stated in their research paper, statistics as instruments for prosperous, transparent, and democratic societies in 2015, and they stated that to produce reliable and valid statistics, it is necessary that governments provide the legal framework and resources to the statistical systems of their countries to allow statisticians to produce the required statistical information without interference using the best available methodology and techniques from the best suited sources of information. Mr. Speaker, the bill before you today do exactly what is described by Magalagera and McDonald. It lays out the establishment of the National Statistical Authority for the Turks and Caicos Islands as an autonomous body corporate to replace the existing Department of Statistics. Mr. Speaker, our government outlined this in the People's Contract, which is our manifesto. Mr. Speaker, our government is committed to providing not only the necessary legislation, but also the necessary resources to allow for the modernization and transformation of the TCI Department of Statistics into an autonomous body. Mr. Speaker, I must also point out that upgrading the Department of Statistics into an autonomous body also meets the requirements of CARICOM's Statistics Division regarding statistics offices within the Caribbean region for which we are a part. I'd also like to point out that the recent obligations at the local, regional, and international levels have placed new demands on the national statistical systems, which necessitates the need to move to a statistical authority with adequate staffing to coordinate national cooperation in statistics. In an effort to address the challenges and meet the growing statistical requirements of these islands, our government, through this bill, is updating the Turks and Caicos Islands, statistics, I mean, Turks and Islands statistics legislation to capture the recommendations and best practices of a statistical authority. It is our government's intention for the statistical authority to become the statistical governing body of these islands and lead the processes required for the modernization of the data management systems within the statistics department, as well as those in the widest national statistical system. Mr. Speaker, the statistical authority will be tasked with, one, the operationalization of statistical methodologies, two, the measurement of new concerns such as the environment, climate change, and sustainable development, including arising from the various policies and frameworks and regional and international reporting commitments. Mr. Speaker, the Statistics Authority Bill 2022 is a revision to the 2012 Statistics Act, and as an outcome of this initiative, it is aimed at modernizing and transforming the Department of Statistics, as well as 
improving the regulatory framework for the coordination and governance of the national statistical system. Mr. And Mr. Speaker, the Statistics Act of 2012 established the legislation for the Department of Statistics. It provided for the collection, compilation, analysis, and publication of statistical information. And in addition, Mr. Speaker, the taking of census within these islands was in a separate audit. And now it will be replaced in the same bill which speaks to all areas of statistics. Mr. Speaker, the Statistics Act does not provide for a lead agency or a well-defined strategy to coordinate information production. Currently, the production of statistics is fragmented with no coordination mechanism, no common strategy and program, and no institutional leadership. Statistics are currently, Mr. Speaker, disseminated by various agencies. For example, the Ministry of Health, the Ministry of Tourism, the Ministry of Education, the Financial Services Commission, and the National Insurance Board. And this leads to no overarching strategy or plan. Uh, Mr. Speaker, our current national statistical system does not address important requirements such as independence, transparency, and the accountability of the statistical system. That said, Mr. Speaker, it should give you and this Honorable House and the good people of the Turks and Caicos Islands comfort to know that this bill is modeled after the CARICOM model statistics bill and it seeks to address the shortcomings identified in the Statistics Act 2012, as well as capture, most importantly, everything in one bill. So, Mr. Speaker, some of the issues that this bill addresses are as follows. One, the introductory of mandatory annual reporting by the authority to the House of Assembly as an accountability measure. Two, the appointment by the board of an advisory body, the National Statistics Statistical Committee, NSC, to be comprised of heads of other agencies in the national statistical ecosystem, as well as representatives of the private sector. And Mr. Speaker, I want to point out, the intent here is to ensure a participatory, consultative, all-inclusive, and transparent approach to the development and dissemination of national statistics. Three, the development of the national statistical strategy by the Statistical Authority, which is to be published on the official website of the authority and reviewed every three years. Four, the inclusion of criminal offense provisions that seeks to reinforce compliance with the bill and the power of the director to compound offenses and fines so failures comply with the authority's request for information. So it means you're gonna get time. And the subject of objects and reasons, number seven, the statement of objects and reasons at the end of the bill provides a brief explanation for the various legislative forces. So with that, Mr. Speaker. Good morning, Mr. Speaker. Good morning to honorable members. Mr. Speaker, I rise to make my contributions to the Statistical Bill 2022. Mr. Speaker, this bring, bill brings into effect an ordinance to establish a statistical authority for the Turks and Caicos Islands to provide for the collection, compilation, analysis, and publication of official steps. In addition, Mr. Speaker, to provide for the taking of census in the islands from time to time 
and for connected purposes. Mr. Speaker, I am in full support of this bill. This bill is good for the Turks and Caicos Islands and is good for our people. Hence, it is good to have my full support. And Mr. Speaker, <laughs> go ahead, there's no problem. <laughs> and Mr. Speaker, I see that this bill now condenses the Census Ordinance and the Statistics Act into one piece of legislation. And this, this is a good thing, Mr. Speaker, and it is fully supported. Mr. Speaker, not only do I support this bill because it help make the statistics process more autonomous, but also, Mr. Speaker, I support this bill because I am now hoping that this department will get required staff and resources, which will allow it to proper function. Mr. Speaker, I heard what the Honorable Minister of Finance said. I am happy, and I'm always saying, put the money where your mouth is. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, like many people, I rely on the statistics information to inform decision-making, support or discredit points of view, and for general information on trends in this society. I don't know how others view it, Mr. Speaker, but that's what I look to this department and have been looking to them for. Mr. Speaker, it is the saying that it's not good enough to be right. You have to always be factual. I will repeat it to the members in this house. It is not good enough to always be right. You have to be factual. It is also said, Mr. Speaker, that there are three types of truths. Mr. Speaker, there is personal truth. That's what you hold to be true to yourself, your beliefs, your own personal beliefs. There is political truth, Mr. Speaker, and we see that in this house time to time, every time we are here. Not because something is true on the outside, the political points of view have their own truth. The members on that side have their truth on what transpired, what happened, and what is taking place inside society. And of course, Mr. Speaker, we have our troops on this side, Mr. Speaker. But, Mr. Speaker, there's a third truth, and that is called objective. Turk. The table with your eight feet. But guess what? I'm coming up to jump next, and I'm going to set the bar higher. <laughs> Hence, Mr. Speaker, you know, I will continue to give uh, the Premier and his team that advice. But since this is good for the people, I will always do whatever is good for the people on their behalf. And Mr. Speaker, if their government, who is our government of the Turks and Caicos Islands, but in this house just for separation of government and opposition, I'm saying that right. But make no mistake about it, Mr. Speaker, it is my government too, as a citizen of the Turks and Caicos Islands. But if their government can put in place the measures to ensure that our people can be hired, 
Perhaps, Mr. Speaker, I will have a slightly more difficult time in being hired as the next Premier in the elections, the upcoming elections. If you all would just do some of this, you all will make it even harder for me and my honorable opposition appointed member. So, you know, you want to make it hard for me? You make sure that you look out for the people and get the people in on these jobs. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, this bill also calls for Yes, <laughs> I, I have to take a sip of coffee on that one. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, this bill also calls for the establishment of a board of their authority. And Mr. Speaker, which is very good, I see that the leader of the opposition is involved in choosing the, the chairman. You know, not that I choose, it's just on consultation. That means they don't have to take my advice, but just consult. That's what consultation means. So I don't want people to think that I'm the one choosing. It's just that, look here, this is who we are choosing, this is who we are putting here. Do you have any adverse opinions or something about this person, or do you know any reason why this person cannot serve? In any mature uh, Turks and Caicos Islanders, your honest opinion, Mr. Speaker. This is show, itself shows that the government is serious about providing some level of autonomy, Mr. Speaker. And I am sure the current government would appreciate this clause when you are in the opposition next time. <laughs> in committee, Mr. Speaker, I will also be recommending that the Premier and the Premier and leader of the opposition probably have a separate appointment to that board. I see there's a joint appointment, Mr. Speaker. And I affirm this because, Mr. Speaker, whilst the current holders of the position may be able to agree on a single individual, we do not know what the future will hold or what the future holders of the post may not be as civil as the Honorable Premier and myself. So I do believe that that should be separated. I know that the Honorable Premier, the current holders, we can agree on it, but we don't know what the future will bring, Mr. Speaker. So in order to protect against the future and uh, harmony of the board, I do believe that we should have separate uh, appointments, but I will discuss that more in committee, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, if we look at part five, part seven of the bill, the director and staff of the authority. It makes provisions for the appointment of a director and director, deputy director. And Mr. Speaker, uh, this is personal to me, you know, as being here in the government. I am hoping that those persons carrying out similar functions and or comparable functions already in the department will be given first choice, Mr. Speaker, to accept these posts, Mr. Speaker. I have seen it so many times, Mr. Speaker, that when we establish uh, these bodies, boards, uh, organizations, statutory bodies, that the person who have been doing the job very good, with limited resources, holding up everything with little, 
And when it's time to give them all the resources, remove them out of the way and bring in someone else, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, so as a former civil servant, as a member of this honorable house for 10 years, Mr. Speaker, I am hoping that we first look within for those top positions, director, deputy director, Mr. Speaker. We have had people functioning there. Let me look around. Oh, the, I see staff members maybe here, one or two members from the staff uh, here, but that is my opinion. We have to look within first. So let's not look outside first, give our people first right of passage, Mr. Speaker. That is what I am asking the Honorable Minister. Honorable Minister, don't be strong-handed in no other way. Give our people, the persons who are working there now, first right of refusal of all these positions that will become available, that they are more than qualified for. Mr. Speaker, if we look at Clause 72, seconding options, etc., of public officials. Mr. Speaker, this speaks to persons who are currently employed of the department. And 72-2, let me just turn to that, Mr. Speaker. And I'm, I am happy to see this inside the bill, Mr. Speaker. You can see my bill is falling apart, how much I went through it. <laughs> and Mr. Sec Mr. Speaker, this section, for the uh, listening public, I'll just read out. This section applies to a person who on the date of commencement of this ordinance is employed with the statistics department, A, as a public officer, as a contract officer, and has served at least two continuous years in the public office. And it goes on to number two. A person to whom this section applied shall, within 18 months of the date of commencement of this ordinance, exercise one of the following. And it goes down and lists the things that they can exercise. Request a secondant to the authority, retire from the public service, and receive all benefits provided from for under the, the ordinance. That is, persons who decide that Lucky, I do not want to go over to the authority. I'll just re re prefer to retire from the service, Mr. Speaker. Not everybody may want to go, but I do believe that most persons will want to go. Apply for employment within the authority or remain a public servant, Mr. Speaker. They gave them the options, Mr. Speaker, and I am happy to see those options there. And I know that our people will make the right decisions and wise decisions. So, Mr. Speaker, in wrapping up, I would like to say, Honorable Premier, it's about time that we tear down these industrial walls, institutional walls, that are, not, that are now impeding access to employment in the government. Mr. Speaker, that is an opinion of mine, that they are institutional walls in the world government that are impeding our people reaching those point, those positions. That is an opinion. I haven't got the facts as yet. It's not the truth. It's not, it's just a personal truth right now. It's not objective. I have no facts on that. That is my opinion. That is what I see, but it has not been proven. So I don't want no one saying that I'm attacking this or anything. This is me stating my opinion and what I see. 
Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I will help wherever I can. I will help the Honorable Premier, the Honorable Minister of Finance and his team to tear down whatever walls, whatever support you want from this side for the sake of our people. We will get that, Mr. Speaker. Again, I am here to help. We are all Turks and Caicos Islanders, Mr. Speaker. You look at my body. I have a left arm, a right arm. They operate independent. When one goes forward, the next one goes back. When the next one comes forward, the next one goes back, Mr. Speaker. But they are a part of one body. And that's how I look at the government and the opposition. Yes, we may be moving in opposite directions, but we are, at the end of the day, a part of one body. One Turks and Caicos, Mr. Speaker. So, Mr. Speaker, I therefore congratulate the sponsoring ministry, departments, units for this move and fully support this bill, knowing that once the current heads, the current head transition over to the director's post, and I'm hoping, Mr. Speaker, that once we get the people who are there now over, especially those who are in charge, we will see this, this authority being filled with qualified Turks and Caicos Islanders that can be an example to all statutory bodies, all ministries within the government to say yes, that is an example of an authority that is run by our people, of our people, for our people, by our people. This authority is doing it, and that's what I hope to see here, Mr. Speaker. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? The Chair recognizes the Honorable Elected Member for Leeward and Long Bay. Morning, Mr. Speaker. Good morning, colleagues in the Chamber. Good morning, strangers in the gallery and the team from the Department of Statistics who are here assisting us marshal the Minister of Finance's bill today. Mr. Speaker, I want to say a beautiful morning to everyone throughout the length and breadth of the Turks and Caicos Islands, especially my constituents in Leeward and Long Bay. Between the Minister of Health over here sniffling and the member from Cheshire Hall over here sniffling, Mr. Speaker, I just think all of a sudden my throat starts sounding a little itchy. Because I did not sound like this when I woke up this morning. Honorable appointed member, I did not sound like this, right? So anyway, we can make this quick, Mr. Speaker, because people been afar and then bring back a germ. In any event, Mr. Speaker, so I stand to lend support to the bill before us today. The leader of the opposition spoke about science, mathematics, facts, figures, and I had no intention to, con uh, let me stop lying, Mr. Speaker, I contribute to everything that's brought in this chamber. But because he spoke about facts figures, it reminded me of a quote that is expressed by Jay-Z, who some say is the greatest rapper alive, albeit, I think it was Biggie Smalls, may his soul continue to rest in peace. Jay-Z once said in an interview, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. And so that is the basis of this bill, 
before us today creating what would now be the statistics authority, the numbers authority, the authority that is big data driven, big data collection, and big data partnership. And I'll walk through very briefly, Mr. Speaker, as it relates to how this new big data partnership would be developed pursuant to this legal framework we are seeking to pass today. Leader of the Opposition touched on funding and resources. I agree holistically with you, Mr. Leader of the Opposition, as I think everyone in this chamber, and especially our colleagues from the Stats Department and the Ministry of Finance and all those departments that have to work and deliver on a government's mandate every four years. Without the necessary human resources, without the necessary technical resources, we are just creating another authority and we're leaving it there on the shelf and hoping and praying that it will bring the mandate that is required of it. In this regard, Mr. Speaker, I think we can stand in good faith to acknowledge that this authority will be resourced properly. Not only is the structure as is outlined in the bill before us sets a comprehensive review of policy and mandate requirements, but also now, given that we are adopting the principles pursuant to Schedule 3 that have come from our CARICOM neighbors and our associated membership of CARICOM, in order to achieve these principal goals, funding resources would need to be made available. So Mr. Leader of the Opposition, I'm not going to lose sleep on that point there, but obviously when the appropriation for next financial year lands in front of you, and if you see that the resources are not adequate to bring about the effective change in meeting the mandate and the principles as outlined in this bill, you will use your good office and your good voice to raise those concerns. I would also like to say one of the most important things I think that this bill will allow us to do is repeal the 1970 census ordinance as well as the previous statistics regulations that have governed these islands. The reason why giving more teeth to the census work is so imperative, Mr. Speaker. The bill speaks on one point, but I'll speak on the other aspect. Without the sufficient data of who is in the country, where are they residing in the country, what is the average salary income, what is the average salary expenditure, what is the makeup of the persons who are in the country, it is hard to develop adequate social programs to assist those that may have just fell below the poverty line. And the reason why this is something that I was going to mention in my two minutes, but given that this bill provides me the opportunity to speak about this concern, and I have brought it to the attention of the Minister of Social Services, is that there is a significant number of needs not being met by programs that we have developed as government, and I'm saying big G government, across the years where we are lauding ourselves and celebrating, oh, we put more money here, but yet persons are not able to access the resources. Over the last four weeks or so, Mr. Speaker, and we made a joke about it in the dining room yesterday with the government's appointed member, I was unaware of the struggles and challenges applicants were having with applying for social assistance in the social welfare department. My brother colleague of Whelan had also educated me on some of the challenges because constituents outside of Leeward and Long Bay, Mr. Speaker, are now reaching out to me to see if I can get them 
answers to their applications that they would have filed months ago. And I said to the government's appointed member, I wonder why all of a sudden they're bringing me into this. It was never a ministry I held. I'm not familiar with the programs. Sure, I have no problem lobbying and representing people of these islands. Obviously, my constituency comes first, and she made it abundantly clear. Maybe they believe you will make a difference if you use your voice for them. And so, Mr. Speaker, it's not that I want to use my voice to make a difference. I want us to acknowledge that we can't continuously just throw money at a problem without understanding the root cause of the problem. And so through... Thank you, Honorable Leader. If you had one more seat over there, I might have joined you. Well, without understanding the root cause of the problem, because that is where the biggest challenge arises, especially in the social welfare demographic. We are constantly saying we are funding programs to assist single mothers. We are funding programs to assist the unemployed. But without the resources in that department and without the big data that the statistics department, now soon to be statistics authority, will provide in terms of the demographic, we are funding programs to fail. And so moving forward, Mr. Speaker, I look forward to being data-driven, facts and figures, because men lie, women lie, but figures don't. And so when we move forward after a year that the authority is established and they undertake the upcoming census or they collate the data and they review it, we can then judge our program that we are delivering to the people of these islands on facts and figures on whether they are actually enhancing the lives of Turks and Caicos Islanders whom we represent in this chamber. Mr. Speaker, Leader of the Opposition, and this is not me responding to you, sir, it's just that I spoke right after you, so if others had spoken, I probably would have been able to elucidate some of the contents of the bill based on questions they may have had that they may have raised during their contribution. So you spoke about training and ensuring that our qualified team members in the department have first right of refusal to transfer over. I also want to tell those that are listening in, Mr. Speaker, that this bill, unlike several other bills that may have created authorities over the years, also provides a detailed clause at Clause 76 that provides the board through the director to ensure that training programs are in place for members of the authority. And the reason why that is so important is as technology continues to develop and allows us to connect each other a lot quicker than what we're used to as the enumerators are provided with more technological advancements to reaching those hard to reach areas, those unlawful settlements where residents are not minded to come out and speak to someone who looks official because they may be unlawfully in the country or the settlement that was constructed is unlawfully constructed and so they think it's immigration or planning. As we're able to use more technology, we need to ensure that our officers are trained at the highest level possible and training in the new data collection techniques, the new data interpretation techniques, further training and bolstering throughout the region and throughout the world as this authority, yes, will be part of the CARICOM principle set, 
but given that it will be a standalone authority for these islands, it has the ability to join international governing bodies as well. And so we want to make sure that our Turks and Caicos Islanders who will staff this authority are given the best opportunity to shine and fly our flag as high as it can in the entire world. So Clause 76 provides us that benefit. The second part that I think is very good about this bill, well, two more parts, Mr. Speaker, is at Part 9, it creates an opportunity for researchers to avail themselves or for the statistics authority to avail them the data that they're able to collect to researchers. This is not something that would have normally been done as a government department. The reason why this is so important is that over the years, Mr. Speaker, several of our Turks and Caicos Islanders who avail themselves to master's degree programs around the world and they want to use Turks and Caicos as their case study find it challenging to find adequate data on trends, demographic concerns related to the Turks and Caicos Islands, whether it's case law, whether it's what was the population in 1962 versus the population in 1972, what is the population growth, what is the population trend. And while this authority is not just focused on the counting and moving of people, it is driven by other data sets, and in Schedule 1, it outlines a comprehensive list of areas that the authority would be able to function in. It does provide persons who are researchers, who are compiling information, who will allow to put our information out there, Mr. Speaker, the legal framework to obtain this information confidentially, because that is very important, Mr. Speaker. Everyone is concerned about data breaches and their phones being tapped and their emails being read and their naughty websites being captured in advertising. It is important that the legal framework around that is developed in order to provide that information to a genuine researcher. And so part nine creates that availability or that opportunity. And we look forward to researchers using that as time comes. I think one of the moments where we really saw that our lack of data collection, our lack of independence for the Department of Stats was during our COVID-19 period where we were being judged externally by reviewers of our numbers and our trend and our infection rate and our death rate unfairly because we were not putting the information out quick enough in order to debunk myths and rumors about how COVID-19 was affecting us in this territory. And so we are now creating the legal framework which will provide that opportunity. Mr. Speaker, something that is very, still very close to my heart and looking forward to as it was in our citizens contract and it was something that I holistically believed my party would be able to deliver on for the people of these islands is housing. And in the statistics authority there is a clear, clear requirement of not only tallying the number of people in our communities and where they live, but also this will underpin any decision we make as an administration at part six of the bill, Mr. Speaker, that deals with the population in dwellings. 
Now, this is very important because if, as an administration, we move forward with a shelter policy or a housing policy that provides the renovation of dwellings, we need to know what dwellings are 80% completed and livable, what dwellings are 60%, what dwellings need to be knocked down, start over. We need to know how our aged population is living. Are we still having Grammy and Grandpa live with us at home to help us raise our children, but because their former dwelling home is no longer suitable for them, for whatever ailment they may have. I mean, I'm 40 yet, and these knees bothering me. I feel like I can need to get out that two-story house and go flat story, Mr. Speaker. But those are sorts of things that we need to be mindful of when we're bringing about these programs that are to enhance the lives of Turks and Caicos Islanders throughout these islands. Not just Turks and Caicos Islanders that can vote for us, Mr. Speaker, but the generations that are behind us and those that came before us. How are we going to provide protection for them? And so part four provides the framework that can be used with the census and the dwelling data to underpin any sort of social policy, whether it be housing, whether it be social funding, that will enhance lives. It also provides the development of the Consensus Advisory Committee, which is very important because as a standalone body, we want to know that the census is being done in compliance with international standards so that the data can be relied on, not only by us, but internationally if and when needs be. The appointment of the staff, leader of the opposition touched on. I do have a question. I'll just raise that bit in the committee because I just want to make sure I get the functions of the director and how the director is being appointed and as clear as possible. But, Mr. Speaker, and I promise you I am wrapping up, but I do think I'm good on time nonetheless. Every authority, body corporate, has their ability to make their own rules and regulations, and they are given a set of powers that they are to implore in the islands. And when you are given certain powers, there must be offenses and penalties related to it. And so at Part 11, the offenses and penalties section is comprehensively captured. And the reason why I just touch on this briefly, Mr. Speaker, well, one, the opposition appointed member and the governor's appointed member number one in the AG and I are all colleagues at the bar. So whenever anything creates a new industry of work for which we could do, I think we should highlight, you know, just to be in good cause, right? We're not just celebrating the bills because, you know, we, we might be able to, you know, make up the dollars off of it in the future. But the reason why it's important, Mr. Speaker, that we highlight these points is that there is an obligation on us as people in the country, not just the Turks and Caicos Islanders, not just the PRC holders, not even just the unlawful migrant. There's an obligation on us to comply with information as requested by the authority when conducting their duties. So you can't tell the enumerator who knocks on your door during the census, I ain't got to answer your questions, because it can be an offense. And we don't want to have to fine you 
So just answer the 25 questions. It takes all minute of your day. Just tell people the information. It's secret in any event. So I just want to bring that to our attention. If there is a request for notice of information that is submitted by the authority to another entity, if you fail to comply with that, there is also the possibility of a penalty, which is a fine and or some time in prison. If it's reasonable and you got a good lawyer like me, you know, we could mitigate that for you and bring that fine rate down. But I think one of the most important parts, Mr. Speaker, that we all should be mindful of, because again, we as persons living in this territory that may be called upon by the authority to provide information is that they are under oath of secrecy and confidentiality. And if we find that the information we have provided them has somehow leaked through a sieve, they could be liable for a breach of the oath of secrecy. And so I want to use this opportunity to encourage all of us who are under the sound of my voice and if the media picks this up, don't ask me for no written speech, you know it ain't never gonna happen. I ain't gonna break the rules of the standing orders of the House, Mr. Speaker. So if they are listening in, you are able in good conscience when this bill passes to supply this confidential information to the statistics authorities and they will keep it confidential. And if it's the case that you are aware that information is no longer confidential, please note there is protection for you and your information pursuant to the bill before us today, eventually law. And so, Mr. Speaker, I with full contentment, not too many changes in the committee stage, am very happy to follow the advice of Jay-Z that states, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. And with that, Mr. Speaker, on behalf of the people of Leeward and Long Bay, good morning to you. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. Are there any further contributions? The Chair recognizes the Honorable Governor's appointed member, number one. Thank you, Speaker. Good morning, colleagues. Good morning, those in the gallery. Good morning, those listening to us by radio or internet. Speaker, I rise to fully support this bill. And there are three clauses that I had highlighted to discuss in this bill. Uh, my learned colleague, the Honorable Member for Leeward and Long Bay, has touched two of them very extensively, so I need not go in much detail, but still I will add those areas that I think need to be highlighted. So, Speaker, let me start with clause number 10. The qualifications for the appointment of the chairperson and the deputy chairperson. As said, it should be persons who are Islanders, excellent. Currently residing in the islands, excellent. But then it goes to say who has not been engaged in any political activity. I applaud the, the words of not actively engaged in any political activity. But when we say has not been engaged in any political activity, in a small island such as us, the Tuxent Caicos Islands, with a small population, with a small pool of talent, such clause might limit the availability of former 
politicians who would have solved this house with honesty and integrity, who give their best to this country, will not be able to be of service or serve in this capacity simply because they were engaged in political activity. I don't think that solves any purpose. And Mr. Minister, I will ask that you please consider this, and I'll bring it back up during the committee stages. I do believe that um, we have an obligation to try and make the pool of local talent as wide as we possibly can. Uh, clause number 31, that imposed on the authority and obligation of confidentiality. As my colleague from Leeward and Lombay said, excellent. But I do believe the fine of $10,000 does not align with the fine of 10000 or two years imprisonment. That fine perhaps needs to be a bit higher to focus the mind of those who handle confidential information. A fine of $10,000 might just not be enough to focus their mind. You need to keep people's information confidential. So that's another one, um, Minister, that I'll urge you to consider re revisiting. And Mr. Speaker, Clause 124, we have an 18 months transitional period to make this authority work and work for us. There are examples in the past where we have transitioned a certain board, certain department. For example, um, I can speak about the FIA, which transitioned from the police to its own body. We have some challenges in recruiting talent for that unit. We have some challenges in recruiting local talent and the biggest challenge we had was appropriate competitive salaries. Let us ensure that the local talent that we have in that department now receive an appropriate and competitive salary when they move over to the new authority. And also that we have competitive salaries to ensure that we attract other local talent. Let us not leave this authority just to depend on the love of country. There might be some who will come to it and serve for love of country, but we cannot leave that on the sake of love of country. Let's provide adequate salary, competitive salary, and the proper resources so this authority can discharge the mandate that is given to them for the people of this country. Speaker, with that I say thank you, and I fully support this bill. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, honorable member, for your contribution. The chair recognizes the honorable leader of the chair. Uh, just a little housekeeping, Madam Mr. Speaker. Uh, Mr. Speaker, it's getting a little hot in here in terms of temperature. I don't know. I don't know the reasons why, or other members may be feeling that way, or because I have on more clothes. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if the AC is working or what. But okay, okay, sorry. Yeah, the AC is giving a little issue um, this morning. Um, someone is actually looking at it. Um, the chair recognizes the Honorable Minister for PPID. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Good morning, colleagues. Good morning, people in the gallery. Good morning to those listening via Radio Turks and Caicos as well as the social media platforms. I rise this morning to fully support 
the Turks and Caicos Islands Statistics Bill 2022. Mr. Speaker, I endorse the majority of the sentiments already expressed in terms of the function of the bill, why it's a good thing. But as always, I'd like to make sure for the public that they have a proper contact of everything that's happening in this house. Mr. Speaker, like the Deputy Premier said, as well as the member for Leeward and Long Bay, this was a political commitment, not a political promise, but a political commitment as seen in page six of our citizens' contract. And the history of this great party and this soon-to-be greater government when we're an authority, institution building is what we do. Mr. Speaker, we are fast on the tail of delivering presently our DMMO, Destination Management and Marketing Organization. Mr. Speaker, we've already stood up our delivery unit which in our citizens' contract essentially is the policy and program management office, so we can deliver specific policies throughout the government. And they have 10 key projects that we're working on. And Mr. Speaker, just for historical context, when this good, good government is in authority, we got INIB, we got INHIP, we got TC Invest, we got Invest TC, we got Airports Authority, we got Ports Authority, TCI Community College, TCI Sports Commission, and on and on and on. Mr. Speaker, just so the people can understand, often when these things happen, the current leader is usually, meaning the Premier, is usually in Cabinet. Mr. Speaker, uh, just for a point of order. Uh, sure, please take your point uh, of order. Point of elucidation. Uh, he spoke about the uh, Sports Authority. Uh, but, Mr. Speaker, I know personally that that was disbanded and reinstated when a certain Minister of Health, Agriculture, Sports and Human Services was at the helm, just for historic references. Yeah, yes, thank, it was, it was... Thank it was, you, Mr. Speaker. And, uh, please proceed, Honorable. Thank member. you. So I, I, will, I will just clarify that, because he's saying re reinstated, and I'm... You see, I didn't want to get involved in the tit for tat with the leader of the opposition today, but he he had to call me. He called my name. I moved from house which is which is his specialty. Now I'm in infrastructure and he's still calling me, Mr Speaker. So Mr Speaker if I'm not mistaken, and I could be I stand to be corrected, our good good government instated the first TCI Sports Commission. It was disbanded for whatever reason and his government reinstated the second. So it is clear he can't jump as twice as high as he said. He only could jump the same level that he made the bar set. Because <laughs> if we just jump eight feet in the first installation, he only jumped eight feet by reinstalling the same thing that we installed in the first place. So Mr. Speaker, thanks for, the, for clarifying that so you give me opportunity to, you know, put everything in its proper context. So Mr. Speaker, again, we're looking at the housing policy, 
which will be the precursor to eventually setting up a housing authority. No timelines on that yet in terms of the authority, but the, the policy is nearing completion for us to, to pass and then get housing dealt with. And Mr. Speaker, while also praising our good Premier, a little birdie told me that presently in the Stats Department as it exists, you have six members of staff currently enrolled in the master's program at UE. Now, I don't know if it's because of foresight by the current director that he knew since the good PMP government took over in February 19, 2021, that the statistical authority will be delivered before our term enters that they start, because I ain't got no dates, because you know bodies says give you peace, but they don't give you all. So I know all the details of when these people enroll, but clearly, given the level of Turks Islanders throughout that particular department, which is commendable, those persons will be positioned that when this takes over, so if they so choose to move to the authority, they will get good positions, good paying jobs, and they will be set because they're already on the pathway to have already get additional development. Because again, they would have their qualifications as is, but they're leveling up. And that to me is exemplary and what should be copied throughout the civil service. So Mr. Speaker, in terms of the importance of this bill, it gives additional autonomy because like the member from Leeward and Long Bay said, and others as well, we have to ensure that we are data-driven. If we're gonna get to e-governance and have that utilized properly, we need data and we not only need to get the data, we as policymakers need to maximize the use and interpretation of that data. So this helps us to get closer to that eventuality that our policies are more refined and better targeted for the people of this country. And in closing, Mr. Speaker, the reason we're here debating this in three readings today is because we have to be in a position to program it for the upcoming budget. That's why we're doing it. My people might say, all right, we got it late and we're doing three readings and all that stuff, but we're in the budget process, so we want to ensure that in April, even if all the clauses don't come in immediately, the appropriate resourcing would be captured in next year's budget so we can be in a position to have this authority up and running properly and delivering for the people of this country. So again, this is just one political commitment of many that we would be delivering in our first almost two years, we ain't two years yet, even though I keep on hearing people saying, oh, you've been in for two years, you've been in for two years. So in the uh, fantasy world that some people live in, that doubling and that high jump, boy, you can have to jump real high by the time we finish this four-year term because we can do even more and we can deliver bit by bit of the people's contract. That's what we came for. We come for this work, and that is what we will deliver. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. 
Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. The Chair recognizes the Honorable Elected Member for the Opposition. Sorry, appointed member. Appointed member. Good morning. Good morning, Honorable Speaker. Um, I'm not elected as yet, but that's my intention. Um, good morning to my honorable colleagues. Good morning to strangers in the gallery, fellow Turks and Caicos Islanders living wire, listening wire, and the internet and radio Turks and Caicos. Mr. Speaker, I too want to associate myself with the um, speakers before me and their contributions towards this bill currently being debated on the floor. In particular, Mr. Speaker, I would like to associate myself with the um, contributions made by the Honorable Leader, Honorable Member for Leeward, and, and of course, Mr. Speaker, I associate myself with my leader, the um, Leader of the Opposition, and his, and his contributions to this Honorable House. Mr. Speaker, I too um, join in in supporting this bill, as, it is, as, it is, as this bill is timely um, and, it is, and is needed. And in particular, why I say it's timely, Mr. Speaker, is that I want to associate it with the recent, um, the recent statement made by the Honorable Premier and the Minister of Immigration as to a propose for the enlargement of the franchise. Mr. Speaker, the bill is, what it is doing is um, allowing for statistics on certain areas within the Turks and Caicos Islands, including census and, in, and including other, other statistical data that will be necessary in any government forming an opinion on um, enlarging of the franchise. Mr. Speaker, um, that being said, I would like to go on record now um, before I, I move forward in, in, in my contributions further to state that I personally um, is one who do not at this current stage support any, any um, proposal for enlargement of the franchise until we have um, necessary information and data before us that we can inform ourselves in, 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 in reaching that decision. Also, Mr. Speaker, I want to go on record in saying that the people of the Turks and Caicos Islands should be informed and participate in any um, enlargement of the franchise. And Mr. Speaker, um, I believe, Mr. Speaker, and, and this is me who are, who are saying this, I believe that consultation is not sufficient for the electorate of the Tucks and Caicos Islands to participate in, in the enlargement of the franchise. And having a say, a say in the enlargement of the franchise, I believe that the government should now consider legislation for referendum, Mr. Mr. Speaker. I believe this, that, that this is a topic that should be decided by the people of the Turks and Caicos Islands through a referendum. And Mr. Speaker, I, I, I therefore will encourage the government, because no government should want to take this position of going out there and unilaterally making a decision, a life-changing decision that will impact this country for generations to come by, 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 by enlarging the franchise, Mr. Speaker. And, and Mr. Speaker, I, I may be wrong in saying this, but I, I, will, I will say this. Um, we have... 11 people sitting down in a room that are going to be making this decision of, 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 of enlarging the franchise. The, the chair recognizes the honorable which, um, uh, premier. Which bill is he speaking to? He's not speaking to the, to the, to the, to the matter in front of us. And who, who said anything about enlarging the franchise? I mean, I, are you accusing?
Remember to please um, stick with uh, the bill that's in front of you and debate, and debate the bill that's in front of you um, because no position has yet been taken with the government with respect to enlarging the franchise. So please proceed along those lines. In context of these statistical data that this bill is going to be um, uh, um, advising the public of, and, and from that I am happy to hear the Premier state what he has just stated, that there wouldn't be any enlargement of the franchise until legislation are put in place and, 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 and other um, formalities taken place. So yes, I am grateful to hear that. And, and now I will move on um, with my contributions to, to the bill that's currently on the floor, Mr. Mr. Speaker. Um, as the member for Leavitt has, has pointed out, Mr. Speaker, um, the bill, what it, what it does is that it has a list it has a, 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 a list of items at Schedule 1 whereby the statistical authority can, can, can um, look into and, and, and report on. And, and, and Mr. Speaker, um, that list of items at Schedule 1, Mr. Speaker, is um, demographic and, and social statistics. And in the demographic and social statistic list, Mr. Speaker, as members have already pointed out, um, it refers to population and housing, agriculture, births, deaths, marriages and divorces, migration and citizenship, families and households. And Mr. Speaker, and that is why, Mr. Speaker, that is why I raise it in that context, because, because the, the mere fact that, that, that this bill is going to be providing statistics on migration and citizenship, um, 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 census, population and housing. I believe these are things that are very intricately um, important and part of any decision making as to the enlargement of the franchise. So, so, so that is where I form that contact to bring that within the confines of the bill and my submissions, com um, contributions towards the bill. Honourable Member, and I think you've made your point, and I think we should now proceed with debating the merits of this legislation. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. That, that's, that's, that's exactly what I'm doing, Mr. Speaker. As, as I was saying, Mr. Speaker, what the, what the bill does is that it, 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 it refers to Schedule Number 1, which are a um, particularized, item, itemized set of different matters that the authority can provide um, st statistics on. And I believe, Mr. Speaker, that is very important um, for any growing country um, to be able to make decisions on how the country can progress. So, so therefore, Mr. Speaker, I support, I support that particular um, section of the bill. Also, Mr. Speaker, the, um, again, the bill refers to, at page 19, clause 44, census, population, and dwellings. Mr. Speaker, um, again, this is something that is definitely necessarily needed in order for us to be able to make any kind of um, decisions um, moving forward on the issue that I've spoken of, Mr. Speaker. Um, and, and that is captured in this bill. And, 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 it's, and it's for this reason why the Honorable Leader of the Opposition and myself have decided that this bill is timely and we, should, and we will support it. And, and 
In wrapping up, Mr. Speaker, I would like to bring to the attention of my honorable um, colleague, the minister for PPID. You know, the honorable minister always likes to get up and tout um, um, his government performance. However, he, he, he stated yesterday um, when, when I, when I um, made the statement that I believe that we did not have sufficient time um, to review the uh, merchant shipping bill because of the complexity and technicalities that was, uh, that was within the bill. But that did not stop us from, from going forward and, and um, making our contributions. And he, and he made an issue about the um, 11 days and the amount of hours. However, Mr. Speaker, in contrast, Mr. Speaker, the bill before us today, and, and, and the Honorable Minister like to talk about for facts and put it out, out there for the public. This is the facts. This bill that is being debated today was first given to us yesterday. The first time we saw this bill was yesterday. And what we did, what me and the opposition leader did, we said, because of the importance of this bill, we will prepare ourselves overnight to make the contributions to this bill. It's a bill of 55 pages with some 60 clauses. But we went and we prepared ourselves because we understand the importance and the urgency of it. And, and also, the Honorable Minister spoke about the contract, and this is captured in the contract. However, Mr. Speaker, what, this, is, this is what transpired. The only reason why this bill is being debated today is because of the leader of the opposition. Had he not agreed to the three readings, you could not debate it. That's a fact. So it has nothing to do with you and your government. It has to do with the leader of the opposition. That is why it's being debated today. Now, Mr. Speaker, now that we put that baby to rest, I'll continue with the remainder of my contributions. Mr. Speaker, um, there is just one more issue that I would like to um, raise, and, and that has been raised by the um, Honorable Member, government's, Governor's Appointment Member Number One. And I think that um, that is something that I had had highlighted, and I, and I agree with the Honorable Member, and um, I believe that is, an, that, that is an issue that we can um, visit further during the committee stage of, of this process. However, I believe that um, members, political um, members should not be should, should not be excluded from being able to be, take part in, in being members of the authority. Because as the Honorable Member have rightfully said, there will be members who have the expertise and knowledge um, that can contribute to, um, to the authority, and I, and I, and I agree that um, they should not be ex excluded as the bill is currently drafted and is calling for. And with that, Mr. Speaker, good morning. Thank you very much. Honourable Member, thank you for your contribution to the debate. Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? The Chair recognizes the Honourable Premier. Good, Good morning again, um, Honourable Mr. President. Mr. Speaker, and morning uh, to my colleagues. Um, let me say that um, I start where the Honorable Opposition appointed member ended and to express uh, gratitude and thanks for the collaboration and cooperation 
of uh, the leader of the opposition agreeing uh, for the free reading of the bill. Uh, obviously, from the debate this morning, it's clear that they've made good use of, of, the, of the time and uh, well prepared for the debate this morning. And that's what it should all, always be about. Uh, it should always be about uh, the ability to intelligently, uh, on the basis of properly being informed, to contribute to the debate. And I believe the quality of the debate this morning reflects the fact that, uh, despite the fact that the bill was introduced to the House late, uh, members on both sides have taken the time out to consider the, the implications of the bill and its importance uh, to the Turks and Caicos at this time. Basically, uh, change, this, there could never be any progress without change, right? And this is long overdue, okay? And I believe, um, I am hoping for certain, for sure it has been recognized by, by me for a long time that we needed to make statistics department or the statistics availability in these islands independent, right? And I want to single out uh, the current um, director of the department for the tenacious way in which he's pursued this. Uh, and I also want to align myself with the methodology and the commitment uh, to the quality of statistics, but also the focus on the, on the training uh, that has gone into the department uh, members even today. And again, that's largely as a result of the current director taking particular interest in ensuring that the skills are built and available in that regard, the, the scholarships, uh, the fact that members of the department are enrolled in postgraduate qualification that will enhance the delivery of the, uh, the mandate of the statistics um, statutory body uh, is a very, very good thing. Um, and so I would like to express my thanks to those members of the department who have enrolled uh, and who are in fact seeking to upskill themselves in order to be able to continue to serve our country. And it does say something about leadership, leadership of the department. Uh, and I believe any time we find that level of commitment, we should acknowledge it and say thanks. Uh, because too often it's a lot easier to curse the darkness mm -hmm. than to light a candle. Yeah. But I, I also know uh, that the senior drafts people in the Attorney General Chambers have worked tirelessly and over time to help to deliver this. And Mr. Leader of the Oppos Honorable Leader of the Opposition, and that is the reason why the bill was landed on the desk late, because um, they had 
there were amendments that had to be made. Uh, and, uh, you know, people worked during their holiday, came back, and immediately jumped in to make sure that this critical piece of legislation could get before the House today because it is the intention to have the, the body operationalized for the beginning of the new financial year. Um, so I'd like to also express thanks to them. But just to say, uh, and, I, and a lot has been said, and I believe all of it has been very appropriate, um, even though I had to call the member out about the the uh, issue of um, widening of the, fr the franchise, because I believe that word is used very loosely sometimes. The truth of the matter is, whether we like it or not, that is exactly what is happening. The franchise is being expended uncontrollably, and we need to do something about it, and we need to be thinking about it very seriously. And if we just sit around and do nothing, it's going to get worse. Right? All we need, and because the current legislation as it stands today, or the arrangement, and this is why legislation needs to be changed, right? Um, even, even, even though the United States Constitution has never really been changed, there's been a few amendments, but Thomas Jefferson said the Constitution should last like 15 or 19 years. I don't remember, right? So the fact that there's no change sometimes is not a good thing. It may be comfortable because people don't like sometimes to face the prospect of change. But the truth of the matter is uh, the enlargement of our franchise is going, uh, is galloping out of control, and it's certainly out of our control, right, because of our unique position as an overseas territory. Citizenship uh, is not ours. British overseas territory citizenship are granted by the Her Majesty's government under whose legislation it falls. So whether we like it or not, that is happening, and we need to find a methodology, including amendments to the immigration ordinance, uh, but also, if we're going to become viable as an economy, uh, and if we're going to re retain a modicum of control over our own uh, destiny, there are a couple of things we have to do, right? and that is having a population policy that have some resemblance of us 50 years from now. Right? And that is not to take away anything from those people who let down their buckets with us and who, in some cases, uh, contribute more than some of us have. So that's a conversation for the future that I am prepared to engage in uh, objectively. We talk about objective truth earlier. I'm prepared to engage in that objectively because I think we have to face it. Okay. But <clears throat> back to the matter in hand. <clears throat> Uh, my statistics book, I don't remember who the author was, but I remember one statistics book that I studied when I was in college. And the, on the first page, when you open it, it says, lies, damn lies, and statistics. People could make statistics do whatever it wants to do. And politicians 
and public, uh, I don't want to say public policy wonks, but sort of a talking head or spin doctors uh, make statistics do whatever they wanted to do. And that is why the independence of statistics is so important. As I'm not mistaken, in the United Kingdom, they're like three separate different statistical entities, right? And that, that is the reason why, for example, the reference to former political appointees, uh, I don't remember the terminology that was used, that was the reason why that is currently included in the bill. Because the last thing you want to do is to have the government or the opposition or polit politicians determining what the quality of the data or what data should go out there, right? It needs to be clean. People need to trust it. Uh, and it needs to be objective. Otherwise, you undermine the whole reason for having the statutory body in the first place. So I think we have a problem in the TCI because of the smallness of our population. And I think it is not the best thing to do as it relates to a number, to, to the appointment of former politicians to boards and other areas where they can function and in some cases are in the best position to make a contribution, right? I personally don't think the stats, the, the stats statutory body is one of those, right? Uh, but we can debate that we can in, in committee. But there are, and we must, we must find a way to move away from excluding or sidelining experience and expertise in a small country like ours. Right? Um, but I do believe if the public is going to have confidence in the stat statutory body, it has to be seen to be above politics. When we come in this house, the opposition should be able to quote the same stats as the government. Right? Uh, now you can still spin it, but it's the numbers don't shouldn't be. If it's if the economic GDP is five percent, I shouldn't be as the government shouldn't be able to influence the stats department to change it to three or five or ten, and that doesn't happen now because I, of the integrity of the people who run the department, but in some less democratic situation, uh, countries, it does happen, right? And so f for that re reason, I am not only happy, but I'm anxious to put stats at full arm's length uh, from political influence. Um, the also, as has been echoed by, said by others, the, the public, in particular researchers, uh, and there is a growing number of Turks and Caicos Island students and other researchers who are developing research papers, uh, adding to the body of knowledge as it relates to different social and economic aspects of the life of these islands who depend or depend on those stats. And I have seen situations where people 
conducting projects, a study for Turks and Caicos Islands, had to approximate uh, stats by using other destinations right, uh, that are, have similarity to ours, uh, and that is not the best thing to do. If we look at our, uh, if we look at, I understand, I understand the criticality of having the body independent, but I also understand the criticality of making sure that the body is fully, uh, stats is fully resourced, right? Because uh, resourced both in terms of manpower, but also in terms of new technology uh, and um, sort of a, uh, at the moment being a department of government, uh, it doesn't have a, an independent uh, enterprise um, a resource management system that and so that is that is going to be important, but it also uh, is important that um, whether as an investor or a whether it's a small business or a large business or a, or a new industry uh, that you can depend on the stats to be able to make uh, projections about the marketplace. So all of these are reasons why it's important to have uh, an independent stats body uh, standing up in place. Um, the, the legal uh, aspects of the ability to ensure uh, the private information is not abused, I think the, the legislation covers that in some depth. Uh, I guess we can talk about whether the penalties are sufficient to deter people from leaking information that could damage the reputation of the of the of the body or, or undermine people's private uh, information. But um, I'm happy that we are at this point, and I look forward to. Uh, in the budget, and I believe the the um, we are we're quite aware of the of what these, this is going to cost us. I think the department has provided detailed costing information. I don't remember uh, on a lead of the opposition. I don't remember the uh, the size of the organization, the stats in terms of the. Organogram, how it's uh, it's not in my head at the moment, but I have looked at it, uh, and I believe it is phased over a period of time, uh, and I am I am fairly confident that we will be able to achieve independence of data, making sure we upskill our people, making sure uh, that the uh, that the body is properly resourced so that. We can be, it can be dependable. I understand the reason why we haven't been able at this stage to get a, an A rating is 
uh, is because our the stats is is insufficient. We don't have enough of and 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 um, enough of it captured. Right? That's that's part of what the S&P report reflects. And so you want to make sure there's not that excuse there in the future either. Um, and that's a reflection again on resource availability. Um, so we want to make sure that the resources, the resources are available. Uh, and for that, for that reason and others, as many other people have already mentioned during the course of this debate, I am in full support and I'm happy uh, that we are at this juncture. And um, so I want to thank my colleagues for supporting uh, this bill. And let us see it as a step forward to continually bring TCI into the 21st century. I thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Premier, for your contribution. Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? If there be no further contributions, I'll now call on the Honorable Deputy Premier to wrap up the debate and commit the bill to the Committee of the Whole. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Mr. Speaker, first of all, I would like to uh, say that I didn't think that the, the bill was going to generate that, that much debate uh, for something like statistics. I mean, I thought very few people like numbers and everything. I actually love numbers. I love getting into the details. I like getting into the raw data and seeing um, what the um, what the stat says. As a matter of fact, I remember the um, the former 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 minister of health uh, admiring the charts and uh, and tables and stuff that 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 minister of health had produced to show how we came all the way down from. Uh, high number of uh, COVID cases all the way down to the low number that we were at. He was admiring them. He spoke about them in this, in this honorable house. Uh, <laughs> and I know that the, uh, that I, I'm hoping that with this uh, statistical authority that we'd be able to get more timely data, more detailed data, so any member of this house could, could utilize them and, uh, and for their presentations. And so I would like to, Mr. Speaker, to to thank all of my, my colleagues in this house for, for participating in the debate. Uh, that was actually very rich, and they spoke to a number of the bills, a number of the parts of the bill. Um, and thankfully, I don't know if it's starting to be a trend uh, that the, the full house is in support of these, these bills. And so, I mean, I'm certainly uh, yeah, know that, that we have both members of the opposition, everyone being in support of the bill. So I'm certainly going to thank that. And, I, and this is not the first time, but I, over the last two days, uh, um, we've been having everybody in sync, particularly. And, and, I, and I would like to congratulate, congratulate them, you know, to see that the, the opposition side is actually in sync. Uh, because uh, sometimes you would have the leader of the opposition supporting it, and then we have the, the opposition appointed member doing something else. So, um, so just to go down to some of the points, the, um, the, but some of the members made the, um, the leader of the opposition said evidence matters, and the um, 
And that, that is true. That is in the premier's book, bringing great detail to it. And the premier did point out something where he said that um, one of the reasons why we haven't gotten our um, AAA rating um, was because we don't have timely stats. And I think once we move to this, we'll start to see that our credit rating move up from um, through a B plus where we are right now into to a much higher to a much higher rating. Um, he, the leader of the opposition and a few, the premier uh, and a few others touched on the training. And um, I can certainly tell you that this department is doing all it can to ensure that we have Turks and Caicos Islanders in the position and training. But I want to read to you, I want to read to you a reply that was sent to me by the current head of the, um, the Department of Statistics. It says that there are properly funded training programs in place for staff. Additionally, you'll be happy to know that there are currently six members of staff pursuing master's degree programs, it's already been pointed out, in statistics. And master's degree programs in statistics from the University of the West Indies. And the reason why I emphasize that is that they're not just doing master's degree programs. They're doing it in the area where we're going to be able to utilize them, which will be completed next year. And I am happy to report that these, that these are, sponded, are sponsored by the Turks and Caicos Islands government. Okay, so the bill also forces, forces the board to ensure that there is a training program in place. But there are short-term training programs taking place constantly. So they're constantly training the people. And say so just recently, there was an on-site training taking place in the area of national accounts by CARTAC. Okay. Uh, the number of staff proposed to be phased in over a period, and this will allow continuous training. And yes, persons within the department will be given the first choice to, to move over to the, to the, new, uh, to the new authority. And I, I want to thank the department headed up by Mr. Fox uh, for ensuring that our people get first preference, and our people not only get first preference, but that they don't go and be taking on a task that may be over their head, that they will be fully trained by the time um, by the time they get there so um, so that that meets that meet all of these most of the questions that the uh, the leader of the opposition spoke to and so um, moving on to the um, I want to thank the the representative for Leeward and Long Bay who who did pointed out in the bill where this was spoken to, but again, I reiterated coming from the, the director. Um, the governor's appointed member number one, the points that were made are certainly valid points, and let's speak to them during the, the committee stage, particularly about the, uh, the fines and, and persons who are currently involved in political activities. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, the, I know you spoke about salaries being as competitive, uh, as we know, um, that usually those things sit outside of the persons in this house. Uh, so certainly our government's always advocating to make sure that we have the best for our people. We want to make sure that our people get the best jobs. They're working on the best problems, because part of working is to ensure that you enjoy going to work and you're dealing, you're working on the things that excite you, and then that they're compensated for it. But as we know, most of that sits outside of, of the us from here. But we're going to keep pushing for that. Um, the minister for PPID, he's correct that we're institutional builders, and uh, and he pointed out very well that this this setting up this agency is part and parcel of what PNP governments do. Uh, the the appointed member, the the opposition appointed member, 
stated that he started by saying he's not elected yet, but he, he, that's what he intended to do. I would like to lead the opposition to know that watch out because your government is only getting one seat, maybe, and, and I don't want him to take that from you. Uh, we don't want to have to swap uh, positions. Um, the, he spoke about the statistics informing the government's position, and he talked about enlarging the franchise. I think the, the Premier spoke to that in detail. Um, he ended with a joke. I actually thought, you know, surprising, I didn't realize the opposition appointed member was a comedian, and he said that the, uh, but I've got to give it to him, and he said that the bill has nothing to do, the bill they're debating today has nothing to do with the government, but with the opposition. And the truth of the matter, if it, was, if it was in this government, there would be no deal in here to debate. Rather, they had five days, ten days, or ten minutes to, to work on it. The fact is that we, we, we brought the bill. Um, but anyway, the, uh, the Premier spoke in detail, Mr. Speaker, about how, because of the lack of data, why, uh, where we, it puts us behind the, I don't want to say the eight ball, but make, uh, it, it qualifies the statements uh, that we're making, and particularly uh, when we're pointing to things. So a lot of times people come to the Turks and Caicos and they say they can't find data on X, Y, and Z, and they have to estimate that data based on other countries. And while it may give you, put you within the ballpark, it, uh, you want, you'd want to be in a position where you can have your data spot on, which speaks to where it's real, it's real time as possible, and it speaks, it speaks to specifically our unique our unique issues. Um, so, with that, Mr. Speaker, I'm going to end by saying again, and thanking everyone again that uh, for supporting the bill. I think this is what the uh, House of Assembly is supposed to be, it's supposed to uh, encourage serious and insightful debate, but that we're all here for the people of the Turks and Caicos Islands, and that if, it's, if, they are, if we're bringing something, the government is bringing something that everyone supports, it's but highlight. The, the areas where we think we could strengthen, strengthen these bills and policies. So I'd like to thank again uh, all of my colleagues for their contribution and move that pursuant to standing on the 93 that the statistics bill be referred to the Committee of the Whole. Thank you. Oh, do I have a seconder? Second. Honorable members, motion moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, Investment and Trade and seconded by the Honorable Minister for Health that the bill entitled Statistics Bill 2022 be committed to the Committee of the Whole House. All in favor say aye. All to the contrary, no. Aye. The ayes have it. Honorable members, we'll now go back to the order paper and we'll have the second reading of Invest Turks and Caicos Islands Agency Amendment Bill 2022 to be moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, Investment and Trade. Honorable Deputy Premier. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Speaker. Um, Mr. Speaker, pursuing to Standing Order 92.2, I move that the bill entitled Invest Turks and Caicos Islands Agency Amendment Bill 2022 be read a second time. Do I have a second? Honorable members, motion moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier, seconded by the Honorable Elected Member for the Bite, 
that the bill entitled Invest Turks and Caicos Islands Agency Amendment Bill 2022 be read for a second time. All in favor say aye. All to the contrary, no. The ayes have it. Honorable Deputy Premier. Mr. Speaker, thank you. And um, thank you for being coming up here. Again, I'm starting to feel like uh, the other the leader of the opposition says that he knows about sports. feel like the, uh, the glue guy right now. The ball keeps coming back in my hand. I'm, I'm, like, I'm feeling like Steph Curry of Parliament today. So I'm going to be launching them up from the three-point range. Um, Mr. Speaker, in a bid to combat illegal activities, including activities that include the moving and or hiding of money, money laundering, terrorist financing, tax evasion, and all the illicit acts, governments across the world have been strengthening their KYC policies and regimes, and by extension, their due diligence procedures. Mr. Speaker, as I'm sure you are aware, but for the benefit of this honorable house, and the listening public, KYC means know your customer, client, and going through this bill, even now, know your citizens. You know, so um, I used to like to use the term KYX, and you can fill in with the X here. So whatever it is you're going to be doing business with, uh, you, uh, you can fill it in. But, but people have been sticking with the C's because it started out with knowing your customer. And then if you're a professional services business, they had your client. Uh-huh. Well, actually, you. <laughs> so the, the the so and now the uh, so if you're a professional services business and you're a law firm or whatever, they, you're required to know your client. And like I said, now government, government, uh, if not required, then it's prudent for them to be able to know the, their citizens as well as persons who they're doing business with. So it. KYC is a due diligence process used to verify an entity, a person, or a business um, and assess and monitor the risk associated with uh, being associated with them. So again, it, it is the due diligence process used to verify an entity's personal business identity and assess and monitor the risk of associating with, with that diabetes. That, uh, that energy, whether it's a person or a business. So, Mr. Speaker, KYC is a critical process for determining risk. KYC verifies that a person is who and what they say they are. I'm going to say that again. KYC verifies that a person is who and what they say they are. It helps prevent illegal activities, such as what I had mentioned previously. And Mr. Speaker, due to the myriad of ways money moves around the world, it is becoming harder and harder, harder to stop and prevent illegal financial activities. The most recent example being the FTX debacle that is playing out in our neighboring Bahamas. And when I was writing this, Mr. Fried, Bankman Fried, wasn't arrested at the time. He was still making he was still making appearances uh, virtually uh, and speaking around the world. And then yesterday, the Bahamas government <coughs> arrested him um, based on a request by the United States government, who 
uh, will unseal his indictment uh, today and speak to it. But the reason why I'm speaking to FTX is to say this. I'm going to tell you a quick story, Mr. Speaker. Last year, a number of my colleagues in the Bahamas was, tell was telling how FTX was having this crypto conference in the Bahamas, and it was sold out, completely sold out. And you couldn't, you couldn't get, you couldn't get a ticket in. And even though the, the prime minister of the Bahamas was speaking at it, even his colleagues couldn't, couldn't get um, tickets to get to it. Now, as far as I thought about, because uh, someone was trying to sit and they would see if they could get me a ticket. But I, uh, I just wanted to try my luck and I went online and made a request. And as soon as they heard Turks and Caicos, they came back and said, we're completely sold out, but because you're coming from the Turks and Caicos, we love the Turks and Caicos, we will, we will make a spot for you. But I didn't end up going. Uh, I'd always been a little bit leery about crypto and, and, uh, and how, what it does for the, um, the globalization of crime, even though I think it may be the future. But I do think that there's lots of issues for things to go wrong. But the Bahamas was touting it because I, and I understand why they were touting it and go full head into to current, uh, cryptocurrency and all the things around crypto. And today, this tobacco had nothing to do with the Bahamas government. I want to say nothing to do with the Bahamas government, but FTX brought them a headache. They certainly, they certainly don't need. And what does this have to do with KYC? Was that if we start to do more and better and deeper KYC, we'll start to know. Uh, and someone, someone describes them as a fraudster, a criminal, or whatever. We'd start to be able to weed out these uh, persons who are going to bring us no, no good quicker I mean, uh, before these things happen. So we'll be able to be proactive and, know, and be able to minimize our risk before going into doing businesses with them. So again, I'm going to show you that our neighboring Bahamas um, accepted Mr. Fried and this FTX company into the Bahamas, thinking that they were well-meaning, and now they've brought, on, they've brought them a headache that they could certainly do without. And so I, I fully support what they're doing and then working and cooperating with the United States government. But I just wanted to make the point that if you don't do your due diligence and your KYC on people, you can find yourself with a lot of headache that you didn't sign up for. So and I know some colleagues were asking me, I mean, what actually happened? I don't want to speak into this house right now, but what happened? And go into the details, but I'm more than happy during the break to speak a little bit more about it. But, Mr. Speaker, due to these and other issues, governments through their regulators are adopting, updating, and strengthening their KYC policies. Uh, through this bill, our government is amending the Invest Turks and Caicos Islands Ordinance to empower Invest TCI to develop policies, particularly the due diligence policies and to charge fees for con conducting due diligence checks. Mr. Speaker, for this honorable house and the listening public, knowledge, due diligence is the investigation or exercise of care that is expected to be taken before entering into an agreement with another party. Uh, and I know that um, even some spouses, of, uh, even some people who are about to enter into marriage are starting to go into due diligence now on, on, on the other person. So, uh, so just to go into a little bit more detail, the, the due diligence goes hand in hand with the KYC. You know, it allows you to be able to, you, KYC is that you need to know these persons, but the due diligence is the actual act of going in and trying to gather the information. So 
Mr. Mr. Speaker, it involves, again, this is due diligence, it involves careful investigation of the economic, legal, fiscal, and financial circumstances of a business or individual. This covers aspects, and if it's a business, things like sales figures to verify that the business is doing what they say they're doing, shareholder structure, as you know, uh, give you an example, uh, a little bit more than a year ago, we were, we were doing business, but not doing business, but there were people who wanted to do business in the Turks and Caicos. And, and I said to you, certainly as Minister of Finance, we were looking pretty strongly at the business that they wanted to do in the Turks and Caicos. And all of a sudden, Russia invaded Ukraine. There was uh, sanctions now on Russian oligarchs, and they would, would have been a member of the business, and we couldn't, we couldn't do business with them. And this is the reason why you'd want to know the shareholder structure. You don't want to be entering into businesses with persons who you don't know, and particularly being in business with someone that you're not sure about, and then something happens, like there's a sanction happen, and you don't know who you need to do to and in order to comply with the, uh, with the policies, the sanction policies. Uh, and you also wanted to know specifically if these persons have links to, to crimes. And, and, not, and sometimes there's not just crimes where you're talking about drug-related crimes and, and, and corruption. There are also persons who are on sanctions lists who have to do things with the royal government, you know, the government of North Korea. And there are some people who are part of the, um, the civil war in Rwanda. There's a whole list of just those members on it, of the previous government, that you shouldn't do business with. So you, when you do your due diligence check, you, just, you want to know whether or not they, these persons acceptable to, to be able to do business. And some of them, again, may not even be, be criminals in the sense where there's an arrest warrant out for them. It's just that they're high risk. So again, I'm using people like uh, persons, particularly from the government of North Korea. So when you do your due diligence checks, you want to make sure that you, um, that you know who you're doing business with. And particularly, particularly now, today, we, you want to know uh, for some rural countries uh, that you're not, you're not doing business with them because, as has been shown, that, that money, money can be stolen from countries and moved around the world very, very quickly. And if anyone who wants to find out about these and who are interested in, they can just look at the ICIJ, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists website, and we'll show you about all the breaks with the Panama Papers, the Paradise Papers, and uh, the Bahama leaks and all those sorts of things. We're, we'll tell you about all of these crimes that are taking place with persons that you shouldn't do business with, and the, um, the governments around the world wouldn't want you to do business with. And um, so, Mr. Speaker, these amendments will ensure that invest TCI, KYC, due diligence policies meet global standards and are aligned with anti-money laundering standards and best practices. Again, for this honorable house and the listening public, I'm going to go into detail. Anti-money laundering refers to the laws, regulations, and procedures that are designed to detect and uncover efforts to disguise illicit funds and make them appear as legitimate, a process known as money laundering. And that's why you have the anti-money laundering policy to detect that. Mr. Speaker, money laundering includes activities such as tax evasion, drug trafficking, public corruption, public corruption. and as I stated before, but I want to emphasize, because you'd see it, they have these terms where, like things like CFT, and you're thinking, what is this? but it's particularly around the financing of terrorist organizations. So if you see the thing, CFT, it means combating the financing of terrorism. Um, because you could have, and I stand to be corrected by Madam AG particularly, you can have legitimate funds going to support terrorist fire, terrorists. So even though the funds are completely clean, 
with the outcome that the funds are being used for is an illegal activity. And so you need to be able to detect those also. So, Mr. Speaker, to address these issues, Clause 3 of the bill seek to amend Section 6 of the ordinance to allow Invest CCI to assist with due diligence for applications of permits under the investment category in the immigration ordinance. For clarity, this is a rule that Invest CCI is already performing, and this amendment seeks to formally and legally empower the agency to conduct such functions. When I say agency, I mean the Invest TCI. Mr. Speaker, Clause 4 of the bill seeks to amend the ordinance to insert a new section, 31A, to provide for the making of policies with specific mention of a policy to conduct due diligence procedures on investors and persons seeking concessions, grants, benefits, or any reliefs under the specified ordinances. And this clause also empowers Invest TCI to, char to charge fees for conducting the due diligence. So with that, Mr. Speaker, I now encourage the House to debate the bill. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your summary of um, the Investor Caicos Islands Agency Amendment Bill 2022. Honorable Members, the floor is now open for debate on this bill. Are there any contributions? Uh, the, the Chair recognizes the Honorable Appointed Member for the Opposition. Good, good, good afternoon again, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, um, the bill is a very short bill, and I believe that the um, Honorable Minister of Finance and Deputy Premier has diligently explained the purpose of the bill um, and, the, and why it is necessary for this amendment to um, give um, Invest TC agency the, the necessary authority to um, perform um, extra um, due diligence and keep, to know your client better um, as necessary. And therefore, Mr. Speaker, um, there isn't much for me to contribute further in addition to what the um, Deputy Premier has already explained to this Honorable House, which I am satisfied with. And with that, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? The Chair recognizes the Honorable Elected Member for Leeward and Long Bay. Thank you again, Mr. Speaker, and we're in the afternoon time now, so good afternoon to you. Mr. Speaker, I rise to lend support to the amendment before us today for the INVEST Turks and Caicos Islands Agency Amendment Bill. And whilst the Deputy Premier was speaking, the lyrics of Jay-Z's verse, And God Did, came to mind. And I'm, I'm almost tempted, Mr. Speaker, to quote them. And I just had to check it really quickly to see if the line that came to mind, I don't know, jiggle on my mind today, whether it, it was truly parliamentary or parliamentary language or not. But I, I think, I think we, we're okay with this one line here. So, Mr. Speaker, Hove says as follows. Hove did. Please, Lord, forgive me for what the stove did. Nobody touched the billy until Hove did. How many billionaires can come from Hove crib? Huh? 
I count three, me, ye, and re. Bronze or rock boy, so four technically. Woo. I left the bleep game with my record clean. Huh, I turned to something into champagne. Huh, I cleaned up La Madrina with the same soap. The reason why I read that, Mr. Speaker, and put it in context of culture today of what this bill is seeking to do is that all money is not clean money. And that is what we have to understand. And while someone like Ho today, Jay-Z, is a billionaire and has created an industry for three other billionaires, the starting capital that he built his empire on was not clean money. It was drug money. And so while at the end of the line we can see the pristine suit, this bill provides the agency where persons may come to identify that they want to invest in these islands, the ability through enhanced due diligence that will be paid for by that potential investor to show us where the start of their wealth may have been generated from. And that is why it puts us in a good position to enable the agency to do just that. The Deputy Premier touched on the Russian and Ukraine crisis. That was a clear indication that as an administration, we were negotiating possible investments for these islands that, yes, would be good to campaign on. Yes, we've created jobs. Yes, we've built new things. But the question is, was the money clean? And whether or not the proponents of the proposal are truly the type of people a government should be negotiating with. And so it is in that regard, as I've said, Mr. Speaker, I am a fan of old Hove, but Hove's money wasn't always clean and Hove's lifestyle wasn't always clean, which is fine, because as we mature, as we grow, we may put away the childish things, and I think that's a biblical reference there. Imagine the House of Assembly, we get Bible and Jay-Z quotes, but that song is called God Did, so I think we're within the Yuletide spirit, Mr. Deputy Speaker. But it provides us a clear indication through enhanced due diligence, possible open source information, where we can honestly as an agency know who we are negotiating with, who we are allowing into the territory, whose doors or, or who we've opened the doors to, rolled out the red carpet. Are they genuinely going to be beneficial? to the development of these islands, to the growth of these islands. And so the development of the policy as the bill is seeking to do around enhanced due diligence and the next level of protectionism for the grant of a PRC by the investor category, again, allows the agency to do the necessary background checks to see if these are the people we want to give permanent status to in these islands as once they are permanently granted a right to live here, Mr. Speaker, we have to interact with them. And will they bring their friends behind them and their families and their other associates? Are they popular enough that they may have some associates who we would not want in these islands who are looking for them because this is paradise to some and some would say that it's easier to hide here than anywhere else in the world. So by the amendments proposed, we are saying to the international market, 
to those that are shopping for a new jurisdiction to help clean up their act, that we will use the resources available to us at your expense to research how you started, where you are today, and where you eventually will end. And so it is in that regard, Mr. Speaker, I lend my whole support on behalf of the people of Leeward and Long Bay and taking the good advice from Jay-Z today in the chamber to say once again, good afternoon, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all that jazz. Because, Mr. Speaker, God did. Thank you very much for your contribution, Honorable um, Member. But I must say, maybe it's an age thing, but I did not understand one word. <laughs> so I would not have been able to I'm speaking say to the millennials and the Gen Zs. So, you know, I think it's an age thing, yeah. Um, thank you for your contribution. Um, honorable members, are there any further contributions? 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 There'll be no further contributions. I'll now call on the Honorable Deputy Premier to wrap up and commit the bill to the Committee of the Whole House. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Mr. Speaker, let me say that um, at the beginning when I was giving the, the explanation for the bill, I said the previous bill that I tried to start with a Bible quote, I couldn't find one, particularly when I was trying to find about welcoming strangers into your, your midst. The Bible keeps talking about rolling out the red carpet for them. You know, I was thinking, I was saying, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that today, particularly around the KYC and the diligence one. So I apologize for not having the, the usual, usual Bible quote that had me up early in the middle of, early in the morning, trying to, trying to find one that fit, to fit with the bill. But I want to uh, thank the uh, my colleagues, the uh, opposition appointed member for uh, giving me what would be considered, um, if we were on the outside, a high five, um, you know, around the bill. Um, and the also thanking the, the representative for Leeward and Long Bay for, um, for also supporting the bill. And, um, and I'm certain the, I don't want to speak for the Madam AG, but I'm certain she'll say to you that it's important to ensure that the country's reputation isn't put at risk. And, um, and this is the reason why, this is what this bill helps to do. I mean, just from not, it, even though it speaks to Invest TCI doing it around persons who want to come in under the investment category, but it's something we should be doing all throughout government around strangers who are coming into the country who we don't know. Uh, and I want to say that one of the things about small island nations, but I'm even going to say about small villages, because the Turks and Jacobs globally is like a small village, is we, we are used to knowing everyone, and we become, we let our guard down, uh, because we're used to knowing everybody. We know everybody down the road, we know where they came from, and instinctively, we don't put up our radar, uh, or our antennas, I should say. We don't put up our antennas when persons come in, because we automatically assume that people are good. You know, we are an eternal optimist. Uh, but sometimes that's not the case. And I, and I do believe that 99% that of the people around the world are good. But that 1%, that 1% can undo everything that you've been doing. Uh, good. And so that's the reason why we want to make sure that the government, through Invest TCI in this case, 
is doing the, the due diligence checks to ensure that when we welcome people into the church in Caicos and to do the things that the Bible tells us to do, a good Christian neighbors when we're welcoming people in, but that we know, we know fully who these persons are. Because as, um, as the Honorable Member Representative for Leeward and Long Bay said, you could have money that started out from illegal activities and work it all its way through, and then all of a sudden you get to a point now where it's clean, but it's originally didn't with it. And, and then we would want to know that. And certainly if you take someone like Jay-Z and he's coming here to, um, to invest, we would want to know the complete background so we can make an intelligent decision rather than not we want to have someone like that uh, to come in. And, and I fully support them. And I am also, Minister, uh, sort of representative for Leeward along the I am, I am a, um, a fan of, uh, of uh, Jay-Z. But just to answer to show you that I do know my street cred. Um, <laughs> the thing is street cred means you got it. Ye is no longer a billionaire, uh, you know. So, but anyway, uh, so with that, Mr. Speaker, I move to, to pursue into uh, Standing Order 93 that the Invest Trucks and Kickers Islands Agency Amendment Bill 2022 be referred to uh, the Committee of the Whole. Thank you. Do I have a seconder? Honourable Members, motion moved by the Honourable Deputy Premier and seconded by the Honourable Elected Member for Leeward and Long Bay that the bill entitled Invest Turks and Caicos Islands Agency Amendment Bill 2022 be committed to the Committee of the Whole House. All in favour say aye. All to the contrary, no? Aye. The ayes have it. Honourable Member, we are very close to the one o'clock hour and we need to have someone look at our AC unit because it's it's getting a little warm in here, so I will now take the break. This Honorable House is hereby suspended until 2 p.m. <laughs>